And a very good morning, all. Welcome. Hills, we're going global today. Where are we going? Well, there's no expense spared here on the uh, SEM Sports Show this oh, morning. What's happened? The hell with the budget, they say. Well, we're going to Gracie Harris, yes. which I've got to admit we did record uh, oh. a, a few minutes ago uh, because it's getting on in South Africa, a little late at night, so we didn't want to keep Gracie up too late. Yeah. Uh, but she's always fun to have a chat to. Uh, Australia heading towards the semis. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll play India. Yes. Uh, at the World Cup. Yeah, the apparent nemesis of them. But I don't agree with that. No. You're allowed to lose a game every now and then to mm. someone. Mm. And Harman Precor played one of the great digs in a former World Cup. This year they've played a five-match series against Australia and they've, you know, they fancied themselves. They reckon they got some confidence out of that series. Mm. And anyway, we'll see India. We, ha- we haven't seen her a lot with bat in hand because she hasn't been <laughs> needed. Uh, your niece and... The likes well, of Mooney and Lanning and Perry. <laughs> and then if they happen to fail, Tali McGrath comes in and makes 57 the other night mm. and keeps Grace on the bench. So then Annabelle Sutherland doesn't play every game, so she's another one that can that can stymie your effort at the crease. Yeah, she just hinted to us that uh, possibly she's suffering from pad rash at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on the pine, just wearing the pads but not getting to uh, go around and run, out, run around in them. Hey, yeah, we've also tracked down Stuart Law who uh, is coaching in Afghanistan at the moment, but has vast experience in the subcontinent. Certainly has. And, you know, he, I think he might be Bangladesh at the moment, um, but, but certainly has coached in Afghanistan and all, all around those Asian countries, Sri Lanka and whatever. And, and we'll find out just, just who um, is producing talent the best out of those Asian countries. He, he hasn't done India, but he's done everything else just about. Um, so, Laurie, you know, our first chef is your winning captain yes. for Queensland. A ledge. And uh, he's done a lot in cricket. So, yeah, he, he's happy to talk to us. It's 4.20 in the morning over there. <laughs> <laughs> he reckons there's not a lot to do over here. I'll, I'll talk to you, Blake. Yeah. So. We've tracked down Webby. Shane Webke's going to join us as well. Look, uh, not only a, a little bit of an insight on how he thinks the Bronx will go this year, and obviously as we, we keep harping on it, he and Lockie, that famous image of them hoisting the Premiership trophy, that's been a long time ago. Mm. It's been a long time between drinks for, for the, the Red Hill Brigade. But he also has this unique insight into Wayne Bennett. I mean, Benny has a farm out on the Downs. That's well known. He spends a lot of time there. He spent a lot of the off-season there, just plotting and planning. And uh, I think he seconds Webby into doing a little bit of work occasionally on the farm. And Webby, mm-hmm. you know, happily obliges there. They've been great friends, cl- very close friends yes. for a long time. So he'll give us a little insight. Sort of, he lost his dad at 18, didn't he, Webby? Mm. So to a safety accident, yeah. an industrial accident. And so Benny's probably filled that void for Webby as well. Mm. And Benny has a good look around his other mates. There's no way he's getting work out of them. Alfie, <laughs> Kevy, <laughs> Boxhead, no chance. Webby, you're my man. Yeah, you're my farm man. So, yeah, that'll be good to talk to Webby. Yeah, no trouble getting him early in the morning. He's up earlier than us. Yes, yeah, he's he goes, got a discipline about his fitness work too, Yeah, he goes he? to the gym yeah. there at Sparrows yeah. and uh, then works on the farm uh, for a lot of the day and then uh, rudely interrupted by having to come into Channel 7 and put makeup and a shirt and a tie on and read yeah. the news. Well, he's taken over, I believe, so uh, <laughs> we'll just see how that's going for him. We've got uh, David Warner. David Warner's coming home, mate. Yeah, see, that mm. last one out, turn the lights off. Hazelwood's home. David Warner is coming home with the the family. He's going back for the one day, is that? Yeah, that's that is the plan. Mm. And uh, but I can I can see what's going to happen there. You know, hairline fracture. That now that they're treating it like a hairline fracture, you probably got to have more time off than that. Yeah. You, you know, my my fingers. I never had them X-rayed, or when I did have them X-rayed, 
and played with them, they don't heal that well, and they, and they take longer to mm-hmm. to uh, you know have the pain drop out of them. So that elbow could cause him that cost him those one days, which I think would be a real shame. He really needs to play those. So it won't be much of a holiday when he comes home. For I think he's probably got two weeks. He needs to maintain that training. He has to sort of monitor that concussion and the pain in his elbow before that, he goes back. Well, as I said, Josh Hazelwood uh, is home. The skipper is home, but that is on family business, and he's likely going to more than likely to return for the third test in time. Uh, but Josh Hazelwood did speak on his arrival uh, at uh, the airport yesterday. Probably just the the format, really, Test cricket. So we've been sweet for probably T20 and, and one day cricket. It's just the obviously you got to bowl every day and, and bowl quite a fair bit in Test cricket. So didn't quite get up for it, and thought it was a good time to to get it right, I guess, with a few big things coming up. Yeah, one of those big things is the World Test Championship. Uh, there's still a remote hope that we could miss it. A lot of things have got to happen yeah. for us to miss it. Well, we've got to be beaten 4-0, I think, and Sri Lanka have got to beat New Zealand. 2-0? As well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's only three in the running now mm. for, but that, for those two Sri spots. Lanka are about 70 points behind, Yeah, I, know. I reckon. I don't know. Let's say we lose 3-0 and they win 2-0. It'll get tight, will it? Mm, I think so. Come on, yeah. New Zealand. Get on with it. <laughs> but Hazelwood has said that he will target the, the World Test Championship. Yeah, for the World Test Championship in England, I think, and and probably use the IPL as a as a perfect building, really. You know, T20 tournaments, probably six overs every you know second or third night, which will be pretty much perfect building, and um, we'll go from there. It's four overs, Josh. That's what that's all you bowl in a T20, isn't it? But I was interested. I thought, oh, he's having the IPL off and getting ready for June. Oh no, he's going to use the IPL as as a warm up to that. So his injuries are just taking a little longer than than they used to. Uh, that side injury that cost him the Sydney Test a couple of years ago, and then this Achilles, which crept up on him in the Sydney Test and the wet conditions, and hasn't got rid of it for six weeks when the medical staff thought they could. Um, anyway, that that hasn't worked again. So, yeah, good luck to Josh Hazelwood. He's a good man. He's a great player. Hey, changing landscape of Queensland sport is happening fairly quickly. As we know, we reported earlier in the week, uh, Warren Moon has uh, been dumped at the Raw. Well, Nick Green has come in as his interim replacement. And a good friend of the show, Sam McKinnon, mm. who was the uh, the boss at the at the, the Bullets as far as the, the player uh, you know, he's the the player's boss. Uh, he's been made redundant at the Bullets after an internal investigation. So, uh, yeah, the, it's yeah, sort of a an NBA uh, official, is it Lash, is now in charge of that. Um, and Sam seemed to, by the the paper today, want more control over the roster and yeah. list management, and just didn't get it. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's a club legend. There's no doubt about that. And and as I said, always a great friend to the show here. But they've decided the club has decided to restructure its front office following this internal review. And it's according to the papers today, it's been a move in the making uh, for a long time now. And they say he's been at loggerheads with officials and team owners about wanting more control of the roster. So their GM uh, of basketball, Sam McKinnon, gone. And the and other so one, Stu Lash, who is going to take over things in the front office, he's got some work to do, hasn't he? Yeah. They've only got three players signed, and, yeah. and is one of them Baines? Yes, oh, Baines and, and Sobe Sobe definitely signed, and TJ yeah. Tyler. Hmm. So anyway, let's DJ Mitchell, I mean. Um, so hmm, 
hope so. I hope they can get the rest done and, and decent quality and all fit enough to do a lot better than they did this year. Yeah, and uh, all on the back of this, all on the same page of the career today, uh, talk about Reds prop, Taniela Tupa, who we were talking to Harry Wilson about yesterday and he's mm. going to continue his rehab, but uh, he is likely to be lost to the Reds. Yes. Headed towards the Rebels on a two-year deal. And Rugby Australia are doing that to save him going to Japan mm. or something like that. He's been quite restless over the years, hasn't he, Taniella? And uh, the Reds, it's saying in that in that article you're talking about, it, they're refusing to deal with his, the manager that he's gone to because he's very good at getting players over to Japan. So the Reds are saying, no, no, you took Karevi off us. We're, mm. we're going to leave you alone. Yeah, so it looks like Taniella will be on the move. Come on, Thor. Wooed by the Rebels. We love the Thor. We do. His family said they used to love the Reds. You remember he had to talk to Mum last time? Mm. And she said, you should start the Reds, son. So where's Mum? But Eddie's influence is already there. They've re-signed Australian schoolboy Skipper Angus Bell, who's uh, 192 centimetres and 124 kilos. So uh, he's re-signed with the Tars and Rugby Australia through until the end of 27. So that obviously takes in the 2025 British and Irish Lions Tour and the 2027 World Cup. Mm. So they've got him and and Eddie. These are decisions that Eddie makes now. You know, no one gets signed for long-term deals like that without Eddie, you know, rubber rubber stamping it because he's the coach. His quotes yesterday reminded me of Graham Arnold. Remember Graham Arnold in the lead-up to the World Cup had to – fit players into his style. Yeah. And so some players just can't play that style, so they won't make it. So Eddie has stopped short of telling the the state sides and the provincial sides how he wants them to play, but he's certainly explained or he's planning to explain to them what his style is going to be mm. and what he's looking for. And then that should be communicated to players in case they need to change a few things and are capable yeah. of changing those things so that – they could be available, more available than they ever for the Wallabies. So they get Angus Bell and they get uh, Alan Aliotoa uh, locked up now, two, two men up front. So that's all part of Eddie's plan and uh, that's the way he wants to go. But, yeah, it looks like uh, in this exclusive by, uh, by News Limited today is that Taniella is on the move and being wooed, mm. as I said, by the Rebels. He's got some good mates down there. Has he? And it'll be a, a two-year deal. That's not locked up, is it? That they've They've shortened that. Intention because of this uh, Achilles, I'd reckon. Mm. Two-year deals, nothing. Uh, and the other r- report today, which doesn't come as a great shock to us, that Ben Eichen wants to stay at the Bronx. Um, yep. I, you know, and certainly, I mean, he would have been welcomed out the QRL. It would have done a wonderful job heading up that mm-hmm. organisation. Yes. But uh, I, I think he's got unfinished. There's all, they've all got unfinished business at the Bronx. Yeah. And, you know, they, they want to have a big season this year. They want to at least make finals. And, and, and then... You know, as everyone says at this time of the year, Hills, they get to the finals and then and then basically make an impression when you get to the last eight. So yeah. that, that's what he would be targeting this year and that'll have his sole focus. Yeah, you've got to yeah, get there in convincing form and with a bit of momentum on your side. They see Spencer Johnson, uh, the Brisbane Heat left arm quickie that bowled the hard overs for the Brisbane Heat this year. He got his first ever five for yesterday mm-hmm. uh, for South Australia against Victoria. So well done. Is he starting to firm for the Ashes? <laughs> a big, a big, strong left armer who bowls decent pace. Pretty handy. When are we going to get him up here? Well, I'm not sure. Not sure. South Australia are pretty happy with him at the moment. Mm. I'm sure there's a lot of skullduggery going on down there while he while they've got their <laughs> fingerprints on him. <laughs> Um, but um, 
uh, Josh Inglis and Matt Short made hundreds in the Sheffield Shield yesterday. And, yeah, they And, you know, pesky New South Wales made a bit of a recovery against Queensland. So yeah, they've got them nine for 3.11. They're screaming from the rooftops about Short. Get him in there somewhere. Why? Uh, you're allowed to make a, you know, you're allowed to make a Sheffield Shield century mm-hmm. and not get picked for Australia. Yes, amazing, I know. isn't I know. it? How how impatient they are to get get into the Australian cricket team. Well, when things aren't going well, I, I'm a, I had to have him in my T20 team. I'd have him in my white ball cricket now, yep. as I would Ashton Turner uh, from WA, and probably Josh Inglis. Of course, he's there now. Um, so. So good, good performances by them, and continue to put their hands up and names in front of the camera before an important selection, which is the Ashes. Mm-hmm. So yes, uh, New South Wales nine for three hundred and eleven after day one at the Gabba. Jilks made ninety four. Chris Green fifty two. Xavier Bartlett three for forty five. Jack Sinfield, new boy, spinner, yes. three for seventy. Him and Arian Jane, left arm opening batsman from Souths, have made mm-hmm. their debut yesterday for Queensland. So. Good luck, boys. And, uh, Jack, that was a pretty good effort. Yeah. Right. We push. had them. We had them well and truly in trouble before those two batsmen you mentioned did their stuff. Didn't need that. Well, there's uh, plenty to like uh, from the world of sport and plenty to talk about. We'd love to hear from you. The Brighton Homes open line is open, 13, 13, 55. Don't forget, Brighton is locking in your price now until 2024. So that gives you the confidence to build your dream home today. And our text line, 0467 736 736. Well, let's get to where you Can we'll you beef up your later. dispute? Because yeah. I might get that right. <laughs> um, Webby, good morning. No, sorry, I just nodded off. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you must be very tired because you've got to cope with running your family farm as well as the seven sports news department. How's, how's it going up there without the pack? Patrick. Oh well, since the great since the great Pat Wells left us, I mean, I've assumed more of a leadership role, and, and Patty would know. Uh, and you were primed yeah. for it, Webby. You were primed for it. Oh, you sixteen years under the great Pat Wells, mate. I've done my apprenticeship. I'm ready to go. Yeah. And I mean, as you would appreciate, Patty, I'm embracing the new role. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just been seamless, now, has it? <laughs> It has been seamless. I don't feel like I'm doing anything different, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, now, you've got to be careful because Benny Davis has arrived, Webby, and he's uh, he's here, oh. so he's listening outside in the office here at SEA because he comes on here from 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> right, I get it, but he understands too that perhaps, yeah, my leadership role is probably not as prominent as I would like it to be. But yeah, that's fine. Uh, he'd be great support for him. <laughs> All right, let's talk a bit of footage. Yeah, yeah no. We, we had... Yeah. Pearl on yesterday at the Deadly Choices promo day saying that top four is not not without reason for the Bronx this year. Well, at the end of the day, they were in the top four before that capitulation. What's your reading of the room, Webby, with the, this, this current crop of Bronx? It's a bit hard to read, to be quite honest, um, because if, you, if we consider what happened last year, and they were top four, and, and, and everyone was very, very hopeful about what might happen. I don't know that we thought they could win a premiership, but certainly it was nice to see them elevated that position again. A capitulation of that, of that magnitude at that time of year uh, is something to concern yourself about, because what causes something like that? Um, and, and the reality is, those of us on the outside don't know what, what caused that. Um, Kevy and his coaching staff no doubt do. If they've addressed that, um, you know, there, there is, and, and Pearl's right, even though he's an outside back who really yeah, contributed very little to, to the game of rugby league. Um, but he's right about one thing. It's not, it's not out of the realms of possibility, but simply for the fact that they did it last year. 
Um, so that that makes it. But, but again, this time of year is a funny time of year where all these predictions are talked about and made, and, and you know, and and we look at trial form and start to think that we know something about a footy side. Where, where the reality is, you won't know. We won't know anything in, until you know, certainly two two thirds of the way through the season. But for the Bronx, it's it's sort of. You know, and I guess this has been said for the last couple of seasons, but but you'd have to think we're reaching somewhere of the zenith of what people will endure in terms yeah. of supporting us uh, without success. And the the time has come, and, and the time for talking about what what you know constitutes a good season, what doesn't, there's past as well. You know, we're due for a premiership, and that and that and nothing short of that um, will allay some of the concerns of our, our long-term supporters. Whom, you know, we haven't won one since, you know, we're, we're coming up on two decades since our clubs claimed the silverware. And, and you know, for, for a club of the Broncos stature, that's too long. And that's a simple fact. There's a lot of clubs that have gone so far ahead of us. It's, it's, it's even in our mind, my mind, it's hard to see us having the class to beat Penrith, for example, and maybe they're not going to be the top team this year, beating someone like that in a major final. See, I think the thing is, what we forget is what it took for Penrith to get to the situation last year where I think they won, did they win three of the premierships? Um, like the, the, uh, the undergrades as well. Yeah. What it takes to actually build a club with that depth. And what, in, in a, if I think back to the era of the Broncos, which I was fortunate enough to be part of, where we were sort of semi-regularly winning the premiership, there was such enormous depth. Uh, and that that was built on the on the on the back of the of the great Cyril Connolly and his team of of recruiters, mm. and that took how long? You know, they, probably the better part of seven or eight seasons to build that depth to set up that great run. And that's what we've seen with Penrith. I mean, we don't know because we're not there. But if you look back in their history, I would imagine some enormously talented people have recruited so so very well and retained a lot of their youngsters. Obviously, got a big mm. base down there to build this fortress that only ever lasts for a while. The really, really good clubs, and if you look at the Melbournes, I suppose they're another one that, that you would look at and think, well, they've got that right as well. But the platform upon which these dynasties are built takes takes a long time to develop. And and the reality is, I suppose, from the outside looking in once again and um, with the Bronx, you really don't know how far does that depth go. Um, because that's... Like, all, all the clubs have got their best team is pretty good. You know what I mean? Their, yeah. their best team, if it had a really good run, would probably do something in competition. You could say that about all the clubs. Where it all comes undone is when inevitably the injuries come uh, and the form slumps and all the rest of it. If you don't have that second tier to go to where you've got some, some players who in that... that that beautiful middle realm where they're, they're probably good enough to be first graders, but they're still learning the craft. And then you give them this opportunity in a good team. That's the other thing. Like for good, for good young players, it's very, very hard for them to progress if they, if they step into a first grade side, which is, which is busted and not mm. doing any well. So, so all, all of these things sort of feed into each other, which, which either feed, um, you know, these, these wonderful periods where you're winning or they feed periods where you're losing. Yeah. It seems almost impossible to hang on to all your depth these days. The, the poachers are out there, aren't they? And, but if you do create some depth, it needs to be happy depth too. The, like the players are so restless in, in, you know, with their managers looking around everywhere rather than staying and looking at the challenge of making it to the top level at your club. Well, he was... You're 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 a hundred years old, so you'll you'll appreciate the way a sport used to be. <laughs> but but I think 
I, my, in reality, the fact that coaches, old school coaches like Craig Bellamy and Wayne Bennett are, are still getting players to play for them tells me that regardless of how different a, a, this new generation of people are and players, and not just our sport, all sports, regardless of how different they are, they still will respond to old school things like, like um, you know, hard and fast rules and discipline and culture, which is built out of having those, those very tough guidelines uh, that, that the Wayne Bennett's and Craig Bellamy's of this world insist upon. Mm. And, and, and I even think when I look at Ivan Cleary, I think he's from that as well. And I think he demands those standards. And I don't think, you know, when, when perhaps when younger players think about how tough some of these rules and regimes can be, that maybe it, Maybe they think, you know, I, I, I don't want to be part of this. I want to take an easier out. Oh, there's, a, there's a big money offer on, on offer. But, but I think in some ways they still crave what that discipline gives you. Mm, and yeah. I think once you're in a system where that discipline still exists, I think you really start... I, I think then they appreciate, you know, that, that those, those tougher parameters are actually what's going to make them a great footballer, what's going to give them success. And ultimately, if we think about, you know, all people enjoy financial reward, but it will come in systems like that a lot easier than it will come from jumping from club to club. And, of course, we see that because clubs, all the clubs have got, um, because of the success of the NRL and, and the grants and all the rest of it, they've got the money to spend. So so these clubs who are desperate to attract good players and, and, and try and bolster their sides and turn into one of these good clubs, they'll pay this big money. The trap for players who will bounce from, from one to the other eventually that will erode you because if you keep playing for clubs who are struggling, you'll end up struggling yourself. It's a fact. Um, so I think as much as they look upon these harder regimes as maybe that's a tougher place to play footy, eventually it'll be the place that gives you the long and lasting yeah. success that we yeah, all crave. Yeah, good point. Hey, um, I know it's probably a pointless question given your disdain for anyone on a football team that wears numbers one through five. But, <laughs> you know, like... This backline looks okay, doesn't it? Walsh, Cobbo, Staggs, Farnworth, just to mention a few, the the outside backs. Yeah, but once again, Paddy, and, and again, this is my favourite thing about forward tax winning football games, but, but it is the reality. Um, it doesn't matter how good a backline is. If, if you're forward... Don't create and, and rugby league is such a simple game. It's a game of it's a game of yards and, and meterage, and so if if you don't win that battle of the ground in terms of who's who's gaining enough so that you can get them close enough to the try line so they can weave their magic, it, it's of no consequence. So so I, I look at our forward pack as well. And but but again, you look at our forward pack and you think the same thing. You think of the, you think of the forward pack, you think of the back line, you think well, you know what. Both of them are pretty good. Yeah. So, so if both are doing, you know, so if our forward pack does their job and the backs chime in when they need to, well, there's no reason again why we're well, we're not a top four, a top four side who, who are capable of, of going on. Yeah, Carrigan and Reynolds stand up. I reckon you know we're a big chance. They they, they they're there all season. And Haas stays injury yeah. free, more injury free than last year. Yeah, oh. yeah they're they're, they're, they're the influential they're, three. I reckon. But if we think about if we think about a player who epitomises the way I look at the Broncos, it's Pat Carrigan. Holy yeah. smokes! If he if he could get if he get thirteen blokes with his mindset and the way that he goes about it, and he's a real look, he, he's a wonderfully talented footballer. But he, you know the best of him is, he, is this wonderful work ethic that he's got. Yeah. That just turns up and does his job and does it tough, does it does it hard, and keeps on going. That's what clubs and success are built on. Players like him. Yeah. They all talk up Tom Flegler too, don't they? What do yeah. you think of him, Webby? Well, I don't know that. I mean, we've seen some of it, but I don't know that 
that if you when when I think of that the two of them and and look there's no doubt in his talent he's yet to convert that into what Pat, Paddy Carrigan's converted his talent into. Okay. So talent's never enough heels as you know. It is always the ones who couple it up to a superior work ethic. They're the ones who shine. They're the ones who become the superstars. Paddy Carrigan's doing that. Flegler, for whatever reason, hasn't yet hasn't yet climbed that mountain. If he does, he's he, he is no doubt in the same sort of realm that Paddy Carrigan is. Hey, very quickly, Webby, we're running out of time, but I want to get your thoughts on on Wayne Dolphins. You've obviously spent a little bit of time with him of the off season. You know, you're both Darling Downs farmers. We know that. Of um, course. Um, How's he going? What's his mindset? Is he ready to rumble? Well, mate, I spoke to him at length about it. And, and you know, talking talking to him about footy is like um, cracking a coconut open. Like he's, he's like he's he's reluctant to give much away. But all he does give you is this air of confidence that he always has. Yeah. And he and he talks about you know, oh, this is it's obviously difficult and all the rest of it. But he said, ah, oh, these boys are these boys are good. He said, and that's what he how he talks to me. He said. The boys are good," he said. "They're, they're training well. They're working hard. Um, but then again, you know, we look at that, and, and I hear him say that, and then I see that trial the other day, uh, day against the Titans, and you can't help it. Now, now you've got to remind yourself the trials are exactly what they are. They're there as a trial, yeah. and so to, to judge anything on trial form is folly. But but when you're a fresh club and 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 well, brand new club, going into your first season, I would hate to 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 be in the position where you just get a shellacking. Maybe they know something we don't. Maybe they, they had a whole heap of players they would have played or played a different way or whatever it was. But it cannot be good for you to get to get a, a walloping like that before you start the season. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think in my heart of hearts, I, I think Wayne Bennett is still a good enough coach that he will not let that club and he will understand the importance of of it being an expansion club. He will he will bend over backwards to make sure at the very least that they are competitive and don't embarrass themselves that that area. Or the game itself. Yeah. So I, I think they'll be solid. I think that I think it's impossible to think that they can have a huge season where they might, you know, make the finals or something like that. I don't think the depth is there for that. Simply because you know, with an expansion club, we, we're we're expanding so that we grow a bigger player base, and so that player base really doesn't exist yet. But it won't exist unless you give them a club to go to. Yeah. So it's a bit of chicken and egg stuff. So so the, the task is enormous, but I think they got the right bloke for it. Brilliant, Webby. Great to chat. Channel 7's, uh, well, sports director now, I think. Uh, fair to call him. Well, Broncos yes. Um, <laughs> he was spiritual leader. Big thing, Paddy. Bowl chain. Brilliant. Thank you, Webby. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, it's, boys. We're back, and we're about to chat to the former Brisbane Lions skipper. Oh, it sounds strange saying that. Zorks, yeah. good morning to you. Morning, gentlemen. Yeah, it does sound a bit weird, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it's been a big five years of your life, eh? Like, what what are your emotions since resigning, mate? Hopefully, pride is one of them. Uh, yeah, definitely pride heals. Um, not so much relief, but there's certainly a, a what feels like a weight lifted off your shoulders in some regards. Um, so obviously, understand my importance to the group, but I guess without that title, um, I don't know. You just you sleep a little bit more comfortably at night. Do you? <laughs> yeah, no need to have a beer on the way to the training, mate. But, you know, <laughs> hopefully you're still putting in. Your hammy, hammy progress, please. Yeah, going really good. I just had a scan just then, actually. Just got out. Um, so hopefully that clears me of any, uh, any you know, hopefully the damage tears all healed up. Mm. Uh, yeah, correct. Um, and if that's the case, then, yeah, I should return to full training next week and 
hopefully all systems go from there. It certainly feels like it's going really, really well. Um, rest of the body's holding up sensationally. So, yeah, fingers crossed this tears all, all healed and um, I can proceed. So, Zorks, tell us about the process now of finding a new captain for the, the Brisbane Lions. I mean, <laughs> is there any lobbying or anything like that? Is it, is it like an election campaign? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, if you ask the boys, I'll probably say no, but it certainly does feel like that. Uh, <laughs> there's no there's no doubt Harris and Hugh and Locke are trying to do all the right things and um, <laughs> certainly be noticed a little bit more around the group, um, which is perfectly normal, I, I guess. Um, yeah, not so much. I guess not so much lobbying, but they're doing the right things to, to get noticed and... Um, from here on in, I will, our leadership group will probably be announced in the next week or so, and then from there, um, those three guys, and if there's anyone else, will certainly nominate for the top job, and they, uh, the, the hierarchy of the club will, will choose from there, I, uh, I believe. Um, that's what the process was when I was coming through, so um, I don't think it would have changed too much. So it's, um, yeah, only uh, hopefully hopefully a week or so, and we should, be, uh, we should know who it is. But, yeah, um, yeah it's... Uh, going to be a close race, I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and the, the, the ones you're talking about, obviously, Harris Andrews, uh, Lockie Neal and Hugh McLuggage are the, are the front runners for the job. And as you said, it's going to be very interesting. But uh, what we do know is that you won't be skipper and you'll be standing back and watching the whole process with plenty of interest, <laughs> I would imagine. Oh, plenty of interest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we normally do a vote on the leadership group and you normally get a rough idea as to who, you know, the players feel as though will be... Um, who they think should be the captain by just, you know, the system that we do. So it'd be interesting to see who finishes on top of that poll as well, um, whether that gives the coaches and the hierarchy a little bit more clarity as to who they're going to go for. Um, you know, that might help as well. So uh, as I said, it's, you know, I'll be sitting back watching with keen interest and um, whoever does get the job is going to do a fantastic job. And as I said last week, I'll be there to help them and support them as much as I possibly can uh, whilst they find their feet. Gee, the club's looking good, mate. Like the intra-club games are finished and you took them around the clubs of Brisbane, which is great. And that match simulation now starts and a bit of contested stuff. Uh, the depth just feels good when you read up about the team. Yeah, definitely, Hills. I think that's one thing we certainly added over the pre-season is plenty of depth. Obviously, the likes of Dunkley and Gunson and Ashcroft and Fletcher, um, you know, ultimately, they're four players that could potentially play every single week. So for that, you know, four people are probably going to have to miss out, and um, that just adds strength to our reserves team that, you know, is chock-a-block full of quality players, which is certainly a headache that the coaching staff want. And, um, you know, the boys are going to get a really good gauge as to where they're at this week, uh, this Friday, coming up against Sydney down there, um, who have been, a, a you know, a class outfit for a number of years, obviously made the grand final, and... Um, I know the excitement around the group is the boys are sick of playing each other and then yeah. they just want to play the opposition <laughs> and get stuck into it. See, that's a big logistic, isn't it, to take a side down to Sydney for a trial? How, how, how many would you will you be taking to Sydney, Bazooks? Well, the whole the whole team's going here. Yeah, I'll be right. the only one that's staying behind. Um, or me and I think Darcy Gardner are the only two on the injured list at the moment. So me and Darcy will stay back and train uh, by ourselves on Friday morning, which will be, uh, you know, plenty of fun running around in this heat. But um, <laughs> exciting, that the, exciting that the boys are going to get a really good hit out against, the, as I said, a quality team. But there's certainly a fair bit of work that goes into, you know, taking yeah. 40, what are we, 46 players, 30-odd staff down for a, for a trial match, no doubt about it. But 
it's so different to in-season. Um, we've had a number of times this year where the VFL and AFL have played at the exact same um, time. So logistically, the, the people in the administration know exactly what to do and um, should be all seamless for the, for the players. Yeah. I'll just get on with business. Hey, Sorks, you're, you're talking about these gun recruits that you've got, but I, I, I've been reading with interest both Dunkley and Gunston have sort of have addressed them leaving their old clubs and whether there's any bitterness and things like that. It's a, it's a big decision, even though from a public's point of view, we perceive that, that a lot of footballers, you know, just move on and, you know, change clubs like they change undies sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, obviously, for both those guys, it was a, you know, a move to, to I guess, leave their, their former clubs and, Find greener pastures, and um, they both come in and fit in so so extremely well. I mean, I think I said to you last week, it, it genuinely feels like both these players have been in their club for a number of years. They've they really have fitted in really well, and um, for whatever reasons they both had for leaving their their former clubs, um, whether it's opportunity or um, whatever they see fit for their family or whatever it may be, um, we're more than happy to have obviously acquired them and um, I guess the experience and leadership that they brought with them from other clubs and um, their culture side of things has, has been amazing and great to see their work ethic of both of them. It's just been phenomenal and it's no surprise that they both had success in their careers already genuinely because they just work so bloody hard um, yeah. and it's been great to see and it's been great to add those two guys in um, to a culture that I think, you know, we've, we've done a lot of good things over the past five, six years and Working hard has certainly been one of them, and, and those guys have come in and stepped in and done a fantastic job of, of carrying that on. They're both very successful in the trials so far. Gunston, uh, very dominant, they're saying. Yeah, he's been really good. Josh has been great as well. I mean, they've, they know how to play the game. There's no doubt about it. They've had, you know, five and ten years of experience, um, both of their former clubs, and they know what it takes to, to play AFL week in, week out, and... You know, in these trial matches, amongst a lot of other uh, other of our players, they've they've been real clear standouts, and um, we want them to carry that form onto the season now. And they've got the next two weeks to prepare themselves even better than what they have, and and go from there. But uh, yeah, it's certainly great signs for both of them at the moment, and we just need to keep them healthy and fit and ready to roll on for for another big season. Yeah, you might know the progress of these blokes, but, uh, you know, there was in the paper on the weekend, I think uh, you've got all the Lions Cubs all uh, jockeying around. Uh, you know, Harry Sharp, Kai Lohman, who was that draft pick, and Darcy Wilmot. Uh, progress? Are you seeing them much? Yeah. Yeah. All of them have been fantastic in this preseason. Harry Sharp. We've sort sort of given him a little bit of a positional change. He's probably been a, a wingman for the majority of his career, but we've thrown him up down forward, and um, it's been crazy to see his development in that role in just over two months. Um, obviously, we know he's had a fantastic um, running background, and he's he's used that so supremely well in this off season. He really has. He's he's been a standout in the trial matches as well. James Tunstall's another one who's really excelled out on the wing. He played a couple of games there for us and made his debut out on the wing earlier um, last season. And he's really stepped up and filled out his body. And um, he's obviously got great running capabilities. Darcy Wilmot's just an excitement machine. He played three games and they were three finals last year. So he's certainly not afraid of the big moments. And obviously Kyle Oman, he had his groins um, operated on at the back end of last year. So he's had a little bit of an interrupted preseason, but 
he's now in full training and he'll play this week in Sydney. And um, he was an excitement machine when he played his couple of games before getting injured last season. So, you know, there's some really great depth of young kids coming through and that's really the future of our club. And um, it's certainly in good hands with those guys. Hey, Zorks, how often have the kids have to be reminded of the perils of living in this society as players? I mean, we've just seen Ginevan. Uh, we've seen a couple of incidents uh, involving drugs in the in the off-season in, in AFL. I know that the education processes, uh, you, you cop it ad nauseum, but there are perils when you're high-profile and mobile phones are involved, aren't there? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, all we can do is constantly educate the kids around that and understand that you are a professional athlete. And um, Touchwood, our group's been great around that. We've had a really um, strong stance on, you know, we're, we're men. Yes, we're human, um, but we're men and we want to be treated like men at the same time. And um, I think guys have really taken that on board and understand that this is their career. They get to choose what they want to do, but ultimately they're going to be treated like men. And um, that seemed to have worked for us. Um, so going forward, we'll continue with that process. But obviously, yeah the dangers of, of doing that sort of stuff and cameras and social media and all that. I mean, you just need to be so, so careful um, just in regards to anything that you do. And um, we constantly remind our players that, especially when we go away on four-day breaks or holidays or whatever yeah. it may be. So there's a constant reminder there that you need to be very, very careful. And um, that's, I guess that's all we can really do. Yeah. All right, mate. As usual, brilliant insight. Lovely. Lovely to have you on the show as well. Uh, enjoy your uh, <laughs> not having to travel this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is nice not having uh, plane trips unnecessarily. So, it's um, yeah, it's good. Really looking forward to, to another really good week of training and then, you know, hopefully push for selection against Geelong. But if not, I know I'll be really raring to go for round one, which I'm really excited for. Port Zorks. Adelaide. Thanks, Hawks. Thanks, guys. Thanks, mate. Heels, we're back. And as promised, we're going to have a chat to uh, Stewie Law. I still remember vividly that day that he led Queensland to its first victory. Um, almost seven decades we'd waited. Yeah, it was 69 years, wasn't it? Yeah, 68, I, I think. But um, I remember listening on the as a kid on the crystal set and all that sort of thing. We'd listen before we played cricket on a Saturday afternoon and the Sam Trimbles and the greats of Queensland cricket. And we... We imported so many great players. Yep. They couldn't get it done. But uh, Stewie Law led us to victory in late March 1995 over South Australia by an innings and 101 runs. So we did it quite convincingly. And we've found him. We've, we've tracked him down on this planet. Thanks to Tyre Power. Best buys on Brig Brand Sale. It's on now. Tyre Power's big sale on at all stores. Visit tyrepower.com.au. Stuart Law, a very good morning to you. Buddy, great to hear your voice again, mate. How are things? <laughs> Bill, tra- mate, how you doing, buddy? Well, thank you, mate. Geez, you've changed. I only used to see you at 4.30 in the morning uh, walking right next to me on the footpaths at times. <laughs> You're up and on the radio at 4.30, mate. Thanks yeah. very much. Wait, now, what are you doing no, over no there? No worries. I was, uh, I, was led, I, was, I was led astray by some good people. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> mate, I'm... I'm I'm here. I'm here working in Bangladesh with their under-19 program. Um, I've got the title of head coach of their 19s, gearing up for the World Cup, which is in January 2024. So at the moment, I'm in a place called Rajshahi, and 
it's it's a couple of hours out of Dakar um, and just watching the youth tournament, which is going on. It's like they're under 19 you know, national carnival. So um, exciting stuff. Uh, they've always got some good talent at this age and it's always it's always good to watch. Well, you've spent some time. Uh, well, like, t- take us through the order of your, your coaching positions. It started at the academy, then Sri Lanka, Bangladesh. That was Middlesex either side of West Indies and then Afghanistan. Is that is that how it went? How it's gone? Yes. Well, basically, mate, I, I came out of cricket uh, playing wise uh, 2009 and I got uh, drafted in to be Trevor Bayliss' assistant coach in Sri Lanka. Yes. Uh, gearing up to the 2011 World Cup. And then from there, I was um, I went to Bangladesh as the head coach of the national team in 2012. Um, that that didn't last a, a great time. Uh, wasn't wasn't uh, a long time. It was only 12 months. Uh, and then I got the academy job back in Australia, which I thought was um, you know one of the best jobs I've ever had. Um, then on to Queensland. That's another story. Um, then the West Indies. For two years, West Indies was probably my best two years of coaching. Great, great fun, and not a bad place to reside, mate. Antigua was called home, <laughs> so it wasn't a bad place to, yes. to go home to. Uh, and then, and then Middlesex for three years, and now um, you know, sort of didn't do much for about six months, and then Bangladesh, you know, came up with this opportunity, which um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy to be back here. It's a, it, it's a great place to. To work, get plenty of good talent. Um, so back on the subcontinent, mate, uh, before I uh, think about my next venture. Well, we're going to talk about the subcontinent in just a second and what's happening not far away from you in India. But <laughs> I, I was just saying to Heels, looking through the, the stats here, you started with Queensland in 88 and you're still going there. We're talking 35 years as either a player or coach involved at the, at the absolute top level of cricket. It's, it's a remarkable achievement, Laurie. Uh, Paddy, thanks. Yeah, um, no, I haven't done it easy either. You know, um, you know, I was, I was a young kid coming into that Queensland side, and yeah, to, to make it in that those days, you, you're playing with some of the greats of the game. Um, you know, AB was the captain. Um, you had Kepler Vessel still. I played country with Kepler, um, AB, and Greg Ritchie. So, you know, there was a there was a fair introduction into um, men's cricket uh, from an early age. Um, to make it into that Queensland side, and it, it goes to show how how the how it's changed. You know, I'm sitting here. I've got uh, batting coach Wazin Jaffa, who, you know, we have great conversations. The ongoing Test series, the Indian opening batsman, um, or ex-Indian opening batsman, and he said, "Oh, so what's it, what was it like to get back into the you know the state side? What was the progression?" And I said, "Well, I played for Colts in the Brisbane Grade competition. Um, I remember one year I made." You know, five or six hundreds in eight eight bats, um, and in February I got invited down to practice with Queensland. <laughs> and I said, nowadays, nowadays you make one sixty in a second eleven game, you are playing the next Shield game. You know, <laughs> nailed on. Um, how, how, how times have changed. You know, mm. you know, I think it's taken away the it's taken away the ability of a player to to learn how to you know, disappointment um, have success and still have disappointment. Um, which is all part of Test cricket, uh, all part of you know professional cricket. Yeah. Um, so to do that, mate, um, it's it hardened me up. Um, I've been to some bad places in the world, you know. Um, you know, there's the subcontinent's not a great place to tour, um, particularly if you don't like being there. Uh, we were always told, Hills, and you know this. Um, we we're always told go and embrace it. 
embrace the culture, embrace the people, go out and mix with them. Uh, and we did that, and it made it more enjoyable. And you know, the cricket that we played sort of, you know, was you know reminiscent of what we what we did off the field. Um, and we took that on the field, just enjoyment, new challenge. Yeah, we're not we're not supposed to win here; it's difficult. Um, but at least let's get out there and give it a good crack. Yes, and uh, I, I mean they've got all those attitudes over there at the moment in India. Oh, gee, the, the wickets are hard work right from day one, aren't they? Um, what have you What have you made of how we've gone about it over there? Uh, yeah, the wickets are hard, mate, but you, you'd expect that. You're not, you're not going to get green seamers. No. Um, you know, that's for sure. Um, they're going to attack us with their with their spin. Australians notoriously can't play spin very well. Um, so it's not, it's not, shouldn't have been too much of a surprise, the conditions. The one thing that, you know, it's been documented and spoken about quite a bit, I, I just don't understand why we didn't go and play a game of cricket there, maybe even get there a week earlier uh, to play a, a warm-up game, possibly two. Um, and it's not the pitch you've got to get acclimatised only to. It's the it's the um, it's the atmospheric conditions. You know, the um, the quality of air is completely different to what you know we're used to. And I've always said this: um, modern-day teams going to the subcontinent, and I've seen Australia go there a lot. And they play the same way, you know, they do in Australia. You know, batting, we turn ones into threes. Um, you know, fielding, we run hard to the boundary and we slide and we do all that. And by day three, absolutely cooked. Yeah. Um, so in, India or Pakistan or, you know, Sri Lanka only had to really play solid hard cricket for two and a half days and Australia were cooked. Um, so that's... Just the just the little things you see and you pick up. I watch I watch the Indian players closely. I've coached over there against India and even Virat Kohli when he's at his when he was at his peak a couple of years ago, um, getting hundreds against the West Indies. He he hit a ball out into the outfield and just walk. Yeah. It's, it's forty degrees and one hundred percent humidity. He just walk. He's one of the fittest guys on the planet. You know, we'd still be there trying to head between the wickets, getting twos and threes, and waste our energy. So, just little things like that you pick up that. We probably haven't had the experience, or don't really don't really understand the conditions that much. To not play a not play a warm up game, I think it was just ridiculous. But you know, that's they say they got their preparation quite mm. you know spot on. Um, I'm not yeah, sure that well, was the case. Certainly on the warm up game, mate. You've got an ally here in the studio in the in the wicketkeeper that played 119 tests for <laughs> Australia, but. Um, well, so, Laurie, let, let's look ahead, not let's not back. What are we going to do to try and salvage something from this series, both batting, bowling, and fielding? Yeah, well, I think the bowling's it's it's pretty much um, it's it's done its job really. Um, maybe maybe the selection process needs to be needs to be looked at. Um, you know, what what is the best makeup of our Australian team in those conditions? Um, they do play spin very well, the Indian. Um, let's not get away from that either. Um, I think the, the the adding of you know a left arm spin option was was crucial. I think that was a trick we missed in the first step. Um, the batting can we can we just get a message to the batsmen who are facing spinners? Can you just stand outside your crease? Don't stand inside your crease. Okay. Or stand with your back foot in the crease and go forward to up balls that go up and down. Um, you know the sweep shot is a shot that you do use in India. India. Um, but if you're using it every ball, um, you know, you, as we saw what happened in the second innings, um, you're just playing Hari Kari. So I, I would suggest that we go forward to, to every ball, not just 
hang back to the seamers. I know they can bowl quick. The young, uh, they're Mohammed Shami and Siraj. Um, they're, they're quality bowlers as well. Mm. Well, let's try and get on the front foot. Yeah, Plan A was quite stereotyped, you know, wasn't it? LBW as much as we can. No, we stuck with Plan A, yeah. which was sweep. Yeah, was. We have to introduce the sweep, but you have to vary it up, don't you? Because they, Ashwin and Jadeja, there's no two better bowlers at, at going, oh, you're going to play the sweep today, are you? They know exactly what to do when you're going to play the sweep against them. Well, the other thing is too, Hills, that um, once again, having you know, spoken to a lot of the, the subcontinent boys, when the, when the bowlers are bowling at a batsman, particularly the spin bowlers, if they just see a big front foot yep. forward defence, they go, oh, geez, okay, so I'm going to have to work hard to get in the wicket. When they see a batsman running down the pitch, swapping across the line, the bowler gets, okay, here we go, any second now I'm getting him out. I spoke to Murali Duran about this. I played with Murali in um, in Lancashire, and I said, "What about you know when you when a batsman's coming out playing the sweep?" He said, "All day long, I'm getting him out any ball." Yeah. yeah. What about a forward defence? I got to I got to I got to I got to work hard to get him out. Yeah. So yeah. There's, there's something in in that. So you've got to mix, as, as you say, you've got to mix and match it. I hear I hear the common phrase. I don't trust my defence. Well, go and work mm. on it. Yeah. So yeah. you can trust it. Yeah, it's like stuff. a that's like a leg spinner. It's like Shane Warne saying, I can't land my leg spinner. Yeah. Go and work on it. Yeah. You know, you're forward defence. You know, that's, that's, that's your bread and butter. So, you know, that's, that's the things I'd be, I'd be focusing on. I'm, I'm sure they've got it all under control over there. Yeah. Yeah. AB said hey, exactly yeah. the same, didn't he? Yeah, AB said the same. Hey, Laurie, great to chat, mate. Uh, well done on a fabulous career. Look forward to seeing you home at some stage. And uh, uh, we'll let you go back to sleep, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's fired up now. Thanks, Laurie. <laughs> Thanks, Laurie. <laughs> No, no, mate. No, I'm just going to the gym. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Bye. We're back. This unbelievable women's cricket team of ours, Hills, just keeps on going from strength to strength. Unbeaten through the World Cup, uh, awaiting a semi-final with India. And uh, they seem unstoppable, but we have Grace Harris from South Africa on the line. Grace, if we do have a little bit of kryptonite out there, is India the team? Oh, I'd love to say no. But um, they do bowl very well and they've got really good plans to us. Um, I know that the recent India series isn't anything to go off, but those were very flat wickets. Um, but over here, they've got the great, like, they've got a great lineup and a great variation amongst their squad. So, you know, it's between them and England, obviously, they're the top two teams in that pool. So there'll be a challenge. Yeah, but they uh, they are talking it up. Harman Preet Kaur is sort of saying they did gain a bit of confidence out of finding out some solutions to beating you guys. What what have those wickets in PE been like, or in South Africa in general? The tournament seems quite low scoring. Yeah, well, I feel like their slow and wide plans quite effective on these wickets because they're slow wickets and they're often um, a bit variable bounce. So back of a length, it can either stay a bit lower or it can rear up and hit your stickers. But um, out wider and a bit fuller, it's actually the bounce that does you in, not really the pace on the wicket. Mm. So um, we found ourselves having to pick up our length quite early but playing with a straighter bat than what you would back home. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the challenges for the Southern Stars is getting enough batting practice, you know, like – Lanning, Gardner and Perry don't give you much when, when they get going in the middle order. No, I think I'm aiming next game to face at least two balls. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, it's always good just to get pad rash when you know that you're winning and the team's doing well. That's <laughs> that's always good. But, gee, I must admit I turned around to Shell in that last game with this sad expression on my face and she just started laughing because I was fully kitted up and ready to go in. And she said, Grace, just be ready, you know, you never know. And then... <laughs> And then T Max guide one, and I just walked out with the biggest smile on my face. Not that I was happy that she got out, but I was happy <laughs> yeah. that I could actually get get a go. Actually, well, yeah. What about Bangladesh? <laughs> I, I looked up the scorecard. You did nothing. You didn't bowl no, I didn't. or bat. <laughs> <laughs> but you have got the catch well, of the tournament, haven't you? Oh, apparently, yeah. Apparently, a uh, catch against Pakistan. I really showed up for that game. He was okay. I was involved in that one. <laughs> I, uh, I got the ball end to field. <laughs> but you know, I have been carrying a bit of a specialist fielder tag lately, and I've been trying to shake it where I can. But seriously, girls, they don't give you very many opportunities over here. No. Not at the moment, anyway. Uh, Grace, you better give us an injury update on Heels' niece. Yes. How How is Alyssa? Oh, yeah. <laughs> nah, she just had... Some awareness in her quad, so you know we played the cautious approach heels. Did you no say? You, did you mean quad there she or didn't. calf again? No, it's a quad, not a oh, calf. Is it really? It, yeah, she's been too many. She's been doing too many diddly squats. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, that's <laughs> like a little bit of awareness. So she she she'll probably be all right, and she doesn't run too many. She's she? perfect. Yeah, unless nah, Beth, nah. Beth Mooney might she's push her around. Stand a bit. and deliver. Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah. How's how's PE been to to spend a lot of time Port Elizabeth? And the other thing about PE is how do you pronounce the new name for it? Becker. Yeah. Becker, something like that. That's <laughs> that's the best that I've got. Okay. P. <laughs> that's not even accurate. Yeah, no, it <laughs> sort of like starts with an H. So uh, yeah, PE. It was always a fun place to go. Has it been good for you girls? Yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed my time in PE, um, although I only fielded for most of the games. But um, we did get a safari under, under our belts right. at well um, a private game reserve. Mm-hmm. So that was great fun. What did you um, see there? And what did we see in the yeah, safari? Did you, yeah, did you see a, a kill? Nah, nah. They're, they're fairly tame lions. <laughs> um, and they were fed the day before we rocked up, so they weren't hungry either. They just laid around in the sun, okay. panting. Any any of the but, other uh, any of the other big five? Did you see anything? Yeah, so elephants came right up close to the car. Um, I wanted to throw some beef jerky out just to see what the carnivores would do, but I got strongly advised that if I moved, <laughs> I was going to be in a fair bit of trouble <laughs> from pigging. So <laughs> you you would be so alive. That went, he would be alive. Didn't go other. down well. Yeah, <laughs> but we saw rhinos. Elephants, zebras. Yeah, I saw the springboks and I thought, gee, the rugby team could do with an updated animal because they're tiny. And I've seen some of those springbok blokes. They're massive. They're as built as fridges. But springboks in real life are like tiny gazelles. Yeah, little nippy things, aren't they? Small as. Hey, start of the tournament, there was an interesting distraction for for everyone at a World Cup with the the Premier League... uh, auctions going on. I mean, how was that? I mean, it would have been almost surreal, wouldn't it, that you, this was one of the biggest things to happen in women's cricket ever, and yet you girls are over there trying to focus on a World Cup. Yeah, I did question the timing a little bit of it, but um, nobody really controls that. Yeah. And 
I guess it worked out fantastic for us as a team because it was only a training day and not a, a match day. I know that um, in the England camp, they actually played a game. So yeah. it was, it got a little bit distracting for them off the field. But for us, we at least had a good chunk of time to digest who got picked up and who didn't. And, you know, kind of have a congratulatory drink or two with those that did and a commiserations to those that didn't make it. Um, and it wasn't too bad. But I know that if, if we were playing a game, I reckon I would have been fairly jilted if I, you know, if you had a World Cup game and then they were pl- they were rolling out the WPL auction, which is supposed to be something to be celebrated as well, mm, yeah. right? Same yes. as the World Cup. So, yeah, I don't know. It's my first World Cup and I love this, but I did think the WPL auction maybe could have been handled a little bit differently. Yes, all right. You know who can control that, though, don't you? It's India. They'll put it on right where people don't want it. So uh, to, to get that attraction, some good bargains. 14-year girls uh, in the 30 international players. That was that was excellent and, and quite expected. Right, I guess the um, the semifinals, uh, South Africa seemed to have fought their way back into this tournament. You know, they were in disarray at the start when Van Niekerk was dropped after not uh, performing well enough in a 2K time trial and a few other things. So so if they beat Bangladesh right now, they jump over New Zealand into the semi against England. Is that right? That's correct, based on net run rate. So if Bangladesh win... New Zealand are through regardless because they have an extra win in hand. Yes. If South Africa win, they finish on the same points, but South Africa have a higher net run rate, so they'll go through. Yeah, great. It's all hotting up. And uh, first yeah. semi-final, when is it? When's your against India? Where are you playing? On the 23rd, which is uh, tomorrow. Not, I think we're Thursday. Thursday? Oh, yeah, what's tomorrow? Thursday. Yeah, right. That's right. You're on. You're on against India who yeah. fancy themselves... So uh, towel them up, please. Okay. I'll try my best. If Deepy does that slime white, I'll go over cover, okay? Yes, <laughs> yeah, but don't premeditate. If it's there, knock it over no. cover, please. It, it, exactly, Hills. You'll be right. Uh, exactly. We'll be yeah. watching, Gracie. Hey, congratulations <laughs> on what you've done so far. It's been uh, exhilarating to watch from back here. Uh, a little bit more fun than the men's tour, to tell you the truth. So... <laughs> <laughs> Stop Thanks, laughing. Yeah. <laughs> so keep it going. Good on you, Grace. Good luck. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Grace Harris. Uh, she's always fun, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. You know, you can only imagine how much fun and value she is around a, yeah. a nervous team bus. Uh, and I worry about her in a game drive uh, van, yeah. but not so much in a team bus. All right. Let's take a break.